The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, The Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and the former Chief Executive of UCAS, Mary Kernock cook So Mary, it's another results day today, but unlike the last few years that we can remember, it's not so turbulent this year because the pandemic does seem to be over. Tell us about what we're seeing in the results today. Yeah, sure. I mean, everything's down a bit on last year. As we've seen in the news, the um, A-level results are down a bit. Actually, there are slightly fewer applicants, both school leavers and older applicants. Um, We've got uh, just under 80% accepted to their first choice so far versus just uh, 81% last year. But all of this is actually a bit better than 2019, including the A-level results. Um, Slightly fewer people have had to go into clearing. And there are, I think, something like 28,000 courses in clearing. But of course, what really matters is not how many courses, but how many places there are on those courses. And and that's critical, um, mostly at the higher tariff unis, um, where I think there'll probably be quite a small number of places on on many courses. Uh, I'm sure it seems really tough for those individuals who didn't get the results that they wanted today. But I think overall, it's a good thing. Because at the moment, we've got, let's see, we've got two cohorts in the population with no exams. So that's probably about 600,000 students and another 300,000 or so who had the sort of halfway house last year. And so as each year passes, that group's going to become a smaller and smaller proportion of young adults in the workplace. And And I just think that public trust and understanding in national exams and grades is is just incredibly important. Um, Isabel, uh, for the upcoming episode of Spectator TV out later today on YouTube, um, I speak to Education Secretary Gillian Keegan and you can kind of tell she was in a great mood actually and it just kind of reminded me of the Gavin Williamson um, kind of torturous episodes of the last couple of years. I mean, do you think the government's breathing a sigh of relief now that the pandemic is over and the educational disruption, at least on the face of it, is over? Yeah, this is the attempt to show that things have returned to normal after, as you say, the pandemic years, pandemic marking. Uh, But there are still, you know, as Mary was saying, that that there aren't that there are lots of reasons why um, it it will be difficult for individual pupils or indeed uh, some of the the pupils affected by the the regional disparities. I thought it was interesting that Gillian Keegan uh, has said today, and I, I don't know whether she said this to you, Cindy, that uh, in 10 years time, no one will be looking at your A-level results. They'll be looking at what you've done since, how you've achieved in the workplace. Now, that is manifestly true, uh, but it's quite an odd thing for an education secretary to say. And it's allowed Labour and Labour's Bridget Phillipson uh, to come in and say, no, hard work matters, results matter. Um, it's downright rude. And it's it's an opportunity for Labour to appear more interested in school standards than the Conservatives, who did at the start of their time in government back in 2010, really make standards and results uh, a really key part of their pitch to voters. And it struck me that with A-level results week this week, it, it is quite odd that we're having a health week mm. interrupted by A-level results. And when you ask Conservative MPs about their party's achievements in government over the past decade and a bit, 
they often latterly come to education and school standards, even though that was a major part of the first few years when Michael Gove was education secretary, something that David Cameron was really interested in. And education has become a bit of a sort of political backwater, which is is very odd. Um, and uh, and often they struggle to um, to remember who Gillian Keegan is. Uh, because she's not really going out and doing the sort of political knockabout that Gove did. Now, maybe, you know, you don't need political knockabout to be doing good things on policy, but it is striking that education just isn't as prominent as it used to be. And there also has been a bit of negative briefing from the teachers' side, I think, in the strikes negotiation about Gillian Keegan. I remember reading a story about teachers basically saying Gillian Keegan doesn't understand the notion of inflation and that making it into the papers as well. Um, Mary, do you think that, you know... Do you think that the Conservatives should be talking more about their educational record since they've come into government, not just at university, but also at school level? Um, Yeah, I mean, I was just reflecting on what Isabel said. And, you know, I think the real problem is that there's no money, is there? So, you know, if you you could have all the good ideas in the world, um, but at the moment there's just just not enough um, money around to do anything with. And I think when you've got a government kind of leading up to a a general election with no money to fund any big ideas, all the money is going to go into pay rises and tax cuts and, you know, if it's available, isn't it? And I also, um, Isabel, I just wanted to pick up on your point that um, you I think you said you thought it was true that A-level grades don't, won't matter to individuals in 10 years time. And, and I'd slightly challenge that because I think a lot of employers, you know, will see a, somebody's CV with a degree on it that they've probably never heard of, maybe from a university they've never heard of, and actually a quick peek at the A-levels, which are, after all, a, a national standard. Um, and, and that gives them a kind of anchoring for, for what they think about somebody's intelligence, if you, if you want to call it that. So I would slightly challenge that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. In the, in the university admissions this year, you know, the idea that the deflation of grades is going to mean fewer people getting into university. It just, just doesn't really work like that because um, the system knew, the universities knew that grades would be deflated this year. They've known that since last autumn. And <clears throat> the actual number of students getting into university, I don't think will change overall with slightly lower grading. But I think there's some other factors that are, are making this quite a competitive year for admissions. And, and it, for me, it's all about the top tier universities where there's a, a massive kind of clustering of applications that, you know, the Russell Group and the higher tariff receive about 45% of school leaver applications, but probably only accept about a third of those students. And that clustering at the top, I think, is a real problem for, for students and schools should be giving better advice, particularly the Russell Group, which, by the way, is treated as if it's some kind of quality kite mark, which it, which it really isn't. Mary, while we have you here, I wanted to ask you as well on on the government's you know recent rhetoric about Mickey Mouse degrees. You know they they talk about how not university universities is not for everyone. Some people might be better off going to apprenticeships. Gillian Keegan in particular is very um, big on that. What do you think about this idea of some degrees in some um, less good universities just not being worth the money that graduates put into it? Should people be considering university less? Well, when we talked about Mickey Mickey Mouse degrees in the past, it used to refer to things like um, media studies, gaming and golf course management. And, you know, those were subjects that were scoffed at until it was suddenly realised that actually those degrees had really good outcomes for for students. And I I think now the focus is 
is rightly less on kind of snobbery around specific subjects. And it's moved on to degrees where, the, where there are some poor outcomes for students. And I think, for example, that's in things like business studies degrees or computer science, you know, real mainstream, big, big uh, course intakes where there's actually a huge variation in dropout rates and employment and salary outcomes between different universities. And I think probably some of those are letting their students down. And so it's quite right the regulator should step in to review quality and standards. Um, I think that's the right thing to do, although I have to say it does seem to be taking them quite a long time to get to get round to it. And, and just if I could on um, apprenticeships, you know, we... I, I think you said Gillian Keegan was a great fan, but, you know, Robert Halfen never stops talking about degree apprenticeships. And actually, the real problem with degree apprenticeships is not is not demand. I think lots of students would, would love to do degree apprenticeships. It's supply. There's just not enough employers offering them. I, I, I chair the Dyson Institute, which is Dyson's in-house degree apprenticeship. Um, and we have applications way outstripping the, the 50 places or so that we, we offer every year. You know, it's a really popular option. But today, UCAS, I think, is saying that there are something like 8,000 degree apprenticeships um, listed on its site. You know, that's just a drop in the ocean compared to 300,000 or so school leavers with uh, with A-levels and BTECs and so on. And elsewhere, Isabel, I mean, as you say, it is still health week, although it is easy to forget. <laughs> it doesn't seem like we've heard much about health, except for this uh, uh, cancer target changing overnight. And it has been confirmed now. Tell us about what's happening there. Yeah, so this was trailed in the papers at the weekend, presumably to give it a slightly softer landing, which is uh, a revision to uh, cancer waiting targets. Um, And this is something that has been recommended by the NHS. Uh, So it's not a wholly political move because the NHS has been missing the targets and ministers want to um, to sort of, you know, avoid scrutiny uh, for that. It's also something that has been... um, uh asked for or at least welcomed by some clinicians and some cancer charities uh but also um has caused concern amongst other um clinicians working uh with cancer so it's it's not as straightforward as sort of moving the goalposts which is what labor has characterized this um as being so it's two-thirds of the cancer targets and now the priority Uh, target is that the NHS can confirm or rule out suspected cancers uh, within 28 days after a GP referral. Uh, And this removes uh, waiting targets um, to see a a specialist and and so on and actually get that sort of that certainty for patients. Now, it's it's interesting because it is obviously also convenient when you're not meeting these targets to get rid of them um, bluntly. If, if 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 they were targets that the NHS was acing, I suspect there might be a slightly different uh, response from ministers. There's also been a trend against targets in healthcare uh, because there has been uh, an acceptance that they do create perverse incentives. You've got Chancellor Jeremy Hunt saying that targets can be evil. He was obviously health secretary, longest serving health secretary, and had a real focus on patient safety and quality. So. It is more complicated, um, but I think it does also serve to highlight that the government has missed a lot of targets really since sort of 2015 on on all manner of things, whether it be cancer waiting, A&E treatment times and so on. Uh, the NHS is, is not performing well. Isabel and Mary, thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening at home.